Lord God, as we enter into this time of reflection, meditation on your word, I pray that you would speak to us. And I pray, oh God, that you would hear the message that you intend for our own ears. And it may be different than the message from the person sitting on our right or our left, but let it be your message that we hear this morning, oh God. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing unto you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I mentioned at the very beginning of the service today, it's been 10 weeks since I've been in here with you. It's a long time. Now you have to know that I'm doing a series in the CLC on some of the challenging words of Jesus. And sometimes those challenging words hit us right here. And so it may be that after this sermon, you say to yourself, I hope he doesn't come back for another 10 weeks. <laughs> you know, back in 1998, I was pastoring a small little church in Del Rio in one of the poorer neighborhoods of Del Rio called San Felipe. And it was a Sunday morning or a Sunday night that it started to rain really hard. It was a Tropical Storm Charlie. And Tropical Storm Charlie dumped 18 inches of rain in a very short period of time. Knocked out the power, the electricity. And in the middle of the night, as I was sleeping like a baby, my wife kind of nudges me. And she says, Robert, I hear something outside. Hmm? I hear something. There's a noise. Something's going on outside. It's just probably the cats, the dogs. I don't know. Go back to bed. And so she leaves me alone for a second. A few minutes later, there is something going on outside. You need to check. I said, you check. <laughs> she kind of slapped me around. I said, okay, I'll check. And I got up and I looked out the window and I couldn't see anything. It was pitch black. All the power was out. Couldn't hear anything. And then suddenly there was a burst of lightning that lit up the sky. And in that moment I saw across the street all my neighbors were on their roofs. And the first thought that came to my head was, I need to be on my roof. What's going on? They're on the roof. I should be on the roof too. How do I get up to the roof? And thus then the, the lightning burst again and I looked out and then realized that the church and the parsonage were built up about four feet higher than the people across the street. And so the water came to our fence line. And I said, oh, thank God. But then I realized that my neighbors were on their roofs and one of them was pregnant. What do I do? How do I help? Suddenly I looked out again and I saw that people from all over the city were pouring into San Felipe, coming in their boats, coming with large ladders. to try and save the people across the street 
on their roofs. And it was really in the midst of that chaos, in the midst of that danger, in the midst of that uncertainty, it was really heartwarming. It was beautiful to see that people were willing to put themselves at risk for people they didn't know, for people that didn't look like them, for people that didn't have what they had. They were willing to come together to try and rescue people they didn't know stranded on their roofs. In fact, there were people on their roofs who were undocumented. And not one person said, oh, I can't help that person. They don't have papers. Everyone who poured into San Felipe was trying to help someone who was in danger. And why? Why would they do that? And it came down to this, I think, is they recognized the divine worth of those people. These were people created by God that mattered. They recognized divine worth. And that seems to be the case. That seems to be the pattern. When emergencies come, when chaos comes, when situations like that come, people are ready to respond. Either physically, financially, however, their people are ready to respond because they see someone in need. And this church is really good at doing that. At reaching out. When people are in need. It's when people aren't in need that we have the issue. It's when people aren't faced with chaos or chaos that we can see that we tend to step back. I've been a United Methodist for 50 of my 58 years, or I'll be 58 in a couple of months. And from day one, and from the birth of the United Methodist Church 54 years ago, we've been in a constant battle with each other over one issue and primarily. And that issue will be leading us to an eventual split, I believe. And we have people that are on one side of the issue and people that are on the other side of the issue. And and I'm not here to convince you what side of the issue you should be on. I want you to stand by your convictions, whatever they are. Right? What I am here to tell you that in the midst of the chaos going on in our church, in our denomination, in the midst of the, of the noise that's happening, there's two important things, three important things I want you to keep in mind. The first thing is this. God loves you. 
regardless if you're conservative, progressive, left, right, God loves you. And because God loves you, I love you. Regardless if you're ultra-conservative or ultra-progressive on the right or the left, I love you. And here's the other thing that, that goes along with God's love and with my love for you. It's not contingent on you loving me back. I love you. So much that I want to cry. That's the first thing I want you to hear. The second thing I want you to hear is that God loves the other person on the other side of the issue just as much as he loves you. Not any more, not any less. Just perfectly loves. Now in the next coming weeks and months, you'll have opportunities to hear some information from our bishop uh, in fact, on September 29th, and you'll get more information on this, September 29th, he'll have a gathering where people, lay people, pastors, whoever can go and, and, and talk about the issues. It'll be September 29th at 6.30 p.m. at University United Methodist Church, and he's going to do that throughout the conference. Pastor Jason will be sitting with people and talking with people and listening to people, regardless of what side of the issue you're on. But here's the third thing I want you to hear. That even in the chaos and in disruptions that's happening in the church, we're still called to seek the lost. In fact, there are people in our communities, there are people in our own families living and dying and not knowing Jesus whom we've been called to reach out to. But because we're spending, expending so much energy and time on this one issue, we're forgetting about people that really need to hear about Jesus. They really need to know that God loves them and that we love them too. Oh, it breaks my heart. That as we gather right now in this space, there's someone who just died not knowing Jesus. That's what we're called to. We will not be relieved of that responsibility, of that obligation, of that calling to reach out to one who is hurting, to reach out to one whose life is in chaos. In this passage of Luke 15, Jesus is reaching out to people that the, the, real, that the religious deem unworthy. Look at him. 
He gathers and eats with tax collectors and sinners. Recognizing that the sharing of a meal was something very special in the, in, the, in the context of that day. And it's still something very special. But they're making a point that Jesus is eating with those they considered unworthy. And Jesus does something really important. He introduces a new concept, a new idea to the religious leaders. And he uses an example that, that can be a little bit confusing. Which of you would not leave your 99 healthy good sheep to go find that one that's lost? Now most of us operate under what we call economic realities. Where, where we've factored in, especially if we're a business owner, we've factored in certain losses, right? Uh, we'll write it off. We'll depreciate it. Uh, we're not going to spend too much time on that one. And Jesus does the exact opposite. And he says, I'm going to leave my 99 healthy lambs to go find the one that needs help. And so what is Jesus modeling here for us? What is Jesus telling us? He's telling us that the one we deemed unworthy, the one we deemed expendable, the one we deemed as an economic loss matters. Is special. In fact, is essential in the kingdom of God. And so Jesus says, we need to go and seek out those in particular. Now we do a really good job of welcoming all those who want to come in. The church has always done a good job of that, opening the doors and welcoming. But what we're finding in today's world is that a lot of people are not coming in. And so does that relieve us of our call? If they won't come to us, then maybe we need to go to them to become seekers like Jesus. to leave the comfort zones of our sanctuaries, of our classrooms, into a world that's hurting. Jesus has introduced this idea of being a seeker. And not only being a seeker, but being a seeker who seeks in joy. In other words, not being a grumbler, a whiner, a complainer. Oh, I got to go find that lost puppy. But I got to go find what Jesus has for us. But so important to Jesus that Jesus would lay down his life for each and every one of them because they matter and they're essential in the kingdom of God. And God wants to use me 
to go find them. And to do it with joy. Like I mentioned, our communities are filled with people who are searching, who are hurting. And we have good news for them. We have something to share, something to celebrate with them. And so then Jesus introduces another concept. When you find them, rejoice, celebrate, party. He doesn't say, uh, when you find them, uh, make sure you condemn and judge and point fingers at them. Make sure to grumble about their shortcomings because they don't measure up to our own personal standards. No, he doesn't say any of that. He says rejoice and love them like I love you. It would be a beautiful thing that even in the chaos and even in the strife that we're going through as a denomination, we could agree to disagree without being disagreeable. Meaning that we could love and care for each other and respect each other. and continue to do the work that God has called you. And at some point, we'll figure it all out, right? And, and some will feel that you're called to another church, and some will feel they're, they're called to stay, and that we will bless each other in Christian love. We'll bless each other because we're not enemies. And we never have been, and we never will be. We're not enemies. We disagree. Paul calls, those, calls that disputable matters. Things that are not essential unto salvation. And in the meantime, we'll be seekers of the lost. Sharing the love and compassion of Jesus with everyone. Because everyone matters in the eyes of the king. Everyone's essential. Amen? Amen. Lord God,